Hello and welcome to the Pioneers of the Great Awakening. Today we have a wonderful guest. Uh, her name is Demi Pichel. And uh, I think I said that right. I, I don't know, I said that right. <laughs> but uh, she is um, uh, the founder of the Starfire Codes and is the former executive producer of the Comcastro podcast. In addition to her work as an innovative producer, Demi Pichel is an award-winning filmmaker with 20 years of experience in new media, metaphysics, and research. Pichel attended New York University receiving both a BFA in film and television and an MPS in interactive telecommunications, ITP, from Tisch School of the Arts when she's not making stop motion animation videos with the treatus from your childhood, she can be found exploring rabbit holes, utilizing cup accumulation as a metric for lost time. I, I think that's a, a lot of coffee or something like that, or tea. <laughs> and uh, so the Starfire Codes publication drives into impactful insights, stories, and discoveries at the nexus of survival, media, innovation, metaphysics, spirituality, expanded consciousness, intelligence, and the truth of really what's going on. Welcome to the podcast, Demi. Demi. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, let's dive into this. Uh, tell us something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. Well, you know, uh, everything that, that you mentioned, everything that, you know, that is a part of me, it all comes together to make me who I am now. So, you know, over time, it's just that, you know, I've, I've put all of these different experiences together and, uh, and that's basically how I've, uh, how I've come to be where I'm at now. Um, it, it took a while to, to get here. I, I think most people don't know about me that I was an atheist until about um, 10 years ago. Most people wouldn't know that. Um, and then I, you know, I sat down, I, I was watching some videos about, um, about quantum physics and about um, the, the way that, that we perceive reality, you know, through our, through our eyes and, and the way that we interact with that and um, the way that everything has consciousness. And I sat down and I was just like, okay, you know, um, perhaps I had that part wrong. And it wasn't such a big shift for me because I always left that open that there, you know, just aren't um, explanations that we have readily for things that we don't understand. So it's not to say that we won't be able to explain them eventually. I left the door open for that. So for me to, to make that leap to understanding that, that all matter has consciousness wasn't really a big one. It was for everyone else though. And um, they couldn't set a watch by me anymore. So, um, so that was kind of crazy. They, they were starting to, um, it was starting to unravel who they thought I was as a person, who, um, you know, how they related to me and they were not okay with it. So even though, you know, it was my change and, and what I saw and, and I just, you know, um, it, it, it happened within a day, I was okay with it and just, you know, moved forward and, and they, they were not. So that, that's really interesting. That's how I got to where I am now. Um, when I was a child, my mother filled the house with books on metaphysics and I would read them and I was precocious and I would try to debunk every single book that came into the house. And she thought it was hilarious. So she just kept buying the books. 
she thought it was so funny. She's like, she's sitting here reading these books and she'll just go off like on this, on these like tangents and then this and that, like describing the way that this isn't real. And so I had all of that information in my head and it was very easy for me because I had studied it so much inadvertently to just flip it and, and make a 180 on that and start to understand what it was that I had read, what it was that I had taken in. And I went to a psychic at one point and she said, ask your mother about the books. I hadn't mentioned the books. And I'm going, what? You know, like, which books do you mean? She's like, well, you know, all the books that she bought when you were a kid, ask her if she still bought them when you left the house. Like, huh, okay. So I did, I, I, I asked her and she, she was thinking about, it. she said, no, no, I didn't. I, I stopped buying them when you left. So it was, you know, to get the information into my head by any means necessary. And, and it's funny the way the universe works. I was so adamant against it that I read all of it. And, and then here we are. So <laughs> they were exactly for you. They were meant for you. Yes. Not just yet. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that so was painful. <laughs> yes. So that was kind of the beginning of, of, you know, this change at some point. And now here we are with all that's going on. So what was your major fork in the road? The, the moment that, that kind of like made you who you are right now, that decision that you made. Okay. And, and it kind of sounds like it was something like that at that moment, you know, could you get a little bit more into that? Absolutely. Yeah, it, it definitely was. It, it was that moment. And then I started to see things a bit differently. And then I started to realize, you know, all the synchronicities that were happening around me and starting to put two and two together and following those breadcrumbs along my path. And as I did that, more and more people were coming toward me who would have some small piece of information that would lead me in another direction. And I would see where that would take me. And I started to see how this, all of this would web out into, you know, creating a, a different, um, a different relationship with, with the world around me and, uh, and with, you know, my experience of that internally, externally, and, you know, just the, the more that, that this went on, the more I was accruing that information and it would, it would revolutionize the way that, that I perceived things. And I started to integrate that into, you know, who I was and, and how I approached the world. And just over time, it, it made all of the difference. Like I, you know, I can look back and, and I don't, I don't feel like I was even the same person at that point. You know, it's just, it's changed my life so much. So I, I would say that that was the major fork in the road. Absolutely. It was just even having access to that information and then starting to build from there. And then from that point, um, you know, the universe thought it was really important that I understand energetic balance. So that was something that came into me after that. Um, and it was, you know, um, make sure that, you know, um, not to say that things are, um, are an equal exchange always, but, you know, that reciprocity is their natural reciprocity, um, organic reciprocity, that, that the things that you do for others are um, energetically, you know, um, coming back to you, like, not even if it's the same thing, but in other ways that, that, that the person is, is thankful and, and that that is a beneficial act. And, and that there's not, you know, um, people surrounding you who just take or just give or who have, you know, a negative impact upon the people around them and to really hone down and pare down um, the people that you interact with regularly so that you can come into that balance. And then once you have that balance, then you're ready to expand out into everybody else because you, you've, you've centered that within yourself because you've made that pare down and you've, you've understood that, that that's, um, 
that that's proper energetic exchange. Absolutely balance is, is basic, you know, without that, we don't have order. We don't have, you know, flow of energy. Everything gets stuck and clogged and, you know, the yeah. things don't flow. Yeah. And, and that was the most important thing, you know, so once it got to a point where, uh, you know, around me, everything, you know, was pretty balanced, that, that was what I asked for. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't really think of anything. I was like, flow just absolute, just to, to get into flow, into creative flow, into, you know, um, having flow within my relationships, having flow just within the world around me, period, you know, and, and, and then that started to come to me and, and things would flow in and flow out and to allow that to occur organically. I feel like the world we live in now, it's, it's a very inorganic way that, that has been put upon us to react to each other. Whereas, you know, before, before we had internet, before we had social media, we would just kind of flow in and out of each other's lives and, and see each other when we saw each other and do our own thing. And it would be, oh, hey, it's great to see you. And, and now it's like, you know, if there's some sort of um, friction or, or animosity or things like that, like you have to make a hard break at this point, you know, like that's the way that this functions. And it's, it's, it's not natural. Like the flow of that is not natural. And, and, you know, to remember what it used to be like for those of us who do remember who, who have that, cause it's been around for so long now, for those of us who do remember to kind of come back to that and just, you know, um, flow in and out and, and leave, you know, leave the door open later for, for interactions with people who, you know, you might not be on the same page with at this point, but maybe later, maybe later you will. You know, so um, and especially in this environment with as much contention as is bred through the algorithms, through social and everything at this point, just to um, to have that in the back of your mind. You know, people change. Your opinions have changed. My opinions have changed. We've learned. We've grown. Let that be what it is. And if somebody, you know, um, comes back around to a certain point and they are you know, um, ready to hear certain things that, that you need to convey to them or, or that you feel are important at that point, you leave the door open. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so what has been your worst moment? Like we have our journey, we're like, like the main character of our movie, right? And we have like the beginning of a story we're introduced and we have like our inciting incident, that fork in the road that throws us into the adventure, into the the other world, right? And then we go through all of these experiences that, uh, that are pushing inward to change us and, and, and challenge us. And then we go down, 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 all the way to the dark, right? What was that moment where you hit rock bottom in something that really, you know, that was the end of that, that, that the me, right, the me? Yeah, it, it, well, it comes back to energetic exchange again, um, energetic balance. Um, my whole life, I, I had had nightmares up until the time I was 30. And um, it was past that point, like, you know, a, a whole bunch of things had happened and, and none of them were good. Like, you know, um, and I had to sort out um, what was happening with me internally and, and come to a place where I was reconciling with um, what my psyche was trying to tell me, which I had no idea about any of that. Right. You know, I, I was coming from a place of, of atheism. I was coming from a place of, you know, things are what they are, just very concrete. And I, I hadn't really delved into that, that, you know, my psyche is trying to tell me something, there's something amiss here that I need to put back together. And by that point, um, I needed to, and I had been a lucid dreamer my whole life, not even knowing what that was, or even, you know, um, 
I, it was just something I did. I, I didn't know, you know, so I used that and I, I went into my dreams and I started to, um, meet with different parts of myself and, and bring them together. And I talked to a shaman about it later on, you know, well past, like maybe even 10 years past that time. And she was saying, I basically did a, a de facto soul retrieval, which was very interesting to me, like that I even intuited to, to do that. How did I even know that that's what I needed to do? But I went in and I started to meet with other aspects of myself and and instead of, you know, being fearful of what they presented to me, a lot of the time, just giving them a hug. And as I would give them a hug, they would dissolve back into me. Right. And you wake up from that and you're wow. Okay. You know, I, I had this, this whole, um, this whole shift based around that. And then one of the dreams was just, you know, like seeing things as separate, seeing things as like, you know, in their own box and in their own, um, in their own separateness. And it was, you know, to, to understand, you would have to read these things and, and, and put all of these things together. And I was like, they're blank. I can't see them. So it was like, you know, realizing, okay, like there are things that are here that, that need to be, you know, pulled together. And just to have that sort of experience, like within the dreamscape, and it just started barreling forward faster and faster and faster, the more I, I dove into it and, um, and pulling all that knowledge together to pull, um, to pull it all back into me and to have that kind of an experience that, that propelled me in directions that I wouldn't have gone. So, you know, absolutely. It was, you know, it, it was necessary to hit that point to reintegrate those pieces and, and to come out whole and to, you know, have the, the trajectory to go where I was going past that point. I wouldn't be who I was otherwise. So you kind of came into this life with a lot of, of, of you know, training from other lifetimes and other worlds and, you know, suddenly came up together and lucid dreaming. You went into shadow work without even knowing that it was that, soul retrieval. So you're basically a shaman and you didn't know that. And I had no and idea. I had no idea. And, and that was another thing, you know, when I, when I became, I, I'm part of the professional association at Monroe Institute. So when, um, when I went to their, um, we did a biannual Zoom meeting, they, they, you know, they do every two years, but they did it over Zoom because it was during COVID. So um, what happened was um, there, there was a, a speaker and, and she's a PMH Atwater and she had written this book called The Forever Angels. And I was so intrigued by what she was saying. Now her research was all um, about near-death experiences, but children very, very young who would um, have their consciousness changed by these events and they would deal with reality in a different way from everybody else. But the ways that they were dealing with reality differently from everyone else, they were consistent with each other. And they had all of these different things that would happen, you know, um, like 80% of them were like this, 70% of them felt this way, like very high numbers, very, very high numbers. And I, I stopped and, and by the end of what she was saying, you know, I'm thinking, and I asked her, you know, did this happen also, you know, for children who had had a lot of out of body experiences? Because I did as a kid and she was absolutely, it's just not what we studied. And like light bulbs went off for me. So I, I read through that and, and it just, it made so much sense with, with who I was and how I deal with the world and, and the things that are, are unique to me that, that I thought, you know, I thought I was weird. I thought I was, you know, like, just like this really strange kid. And I'm sure, and especially reading all of those accounts, like they all thought they were really strange too, you know, and, and didn't know quite how to, how to interact, like being 
in the world, but not of it kind of a thing, you know, and having that sort of a feeling. And it was just so eye-opening to read her book and to, to understand that, you know, this isn't so weird. It's just that I have a different experience and my place in the world is different from everybody else's. And like you said, I, I came into it with, with all of this other knowledge that I could pull upon and, and no way of knowing what that was. So it was just, you know, crazy experience after crazy experience as I got to know that about myself. And so what lesson did you learn about this journey? What did you brought from there? Oh, wow. So much. <laughs> so much over time. And, and it goes into, you know, um, when you have your North Node and your South Node, I eventually looked into that. And my, uh, my North Node is in Virgo. My South Node is in Pisces. So my South Node is all of this, you know, um, all of the psychic information and, and, you know, um, traveling around and doing that with different people. And, and I must've had some sort of a, a psychic, um, even profession, like in my past life. And, and in this life, it's more, um, about routines and organizing things and, and coming together, bringing that information together. So it's like, people think you're only supposed to go toward your North node, but that's not what's true. You're supposed to be at the center of your North and your South node. So it's what you've brought in, you're supposed to balance with where you're going. And, and to take that information and, and make it, um, communicate it for people, to, to make it accessible for others and, and to create um, routine and structure around that so that it's easy to understand. So, that, so that's really where I went. So bringing that balance of, of the past and the future into the present, right? Yes, and yes, helping absolutely. people to, to, to achieve that balance and organize, ground yourself, but at the same time, shoot for the stars, you know? Yeah, and, and to, to be able to express that to them in a way that, that makes it accessible to them so that light bulbs start to go off, so that they start to understand it like I did when I was a bit older. And, and all of that just starts to click. And, and then they're, oh, you know, I had this epiphany about X, Y, and Z. And, and then they'll come to me and say that. And then I, I know what to, um, what to recommend for them to go in another direction with that, that they might enjoy, that might click with them. And that's why I focused the, um, the blog around autodidacts. Because even though I have, you know, um, higher degrees and everything like that, I, at heart, am an autodidact. I will, I will dive into these rabbit holes and not come up for air. We actually have a joke that, um, because you lose time when you do it. And my friend and I have a joke that we have, like, you can count how many cups are around you, how long you've been in that spot, figuring out like, so how many cups was this rabbit hole? Oh, it was a five cup rabbit hole. It was a really <laughs> long time. You know, so, Cause you have no idea how long you spent on it. Unless you start to look around, you're like, oh, I've accrued all of this stuff. <laughs> so yeah <laughs> i know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> right? so that's basically that like you, you know you come up from it and i i wanted to have a place that i would have a repository to keep all of that information not just for me but so that i could send it to other people who were maybe looking at the same thing at the same time and that you know, we would be able to, um, to either collaborate on that or I would inspire them to go in their own direction on whatever it was they were looking at, just to, to keep that momentum going and, and to keep adding to the plot kind of a thing. And, and that's, that was the whole idea for the blog. That was where it came from. It came from my exploring and, and just wanting to have somewhere to house all of that for them and for me. I know exactly. I know exactly what you're talking about. I went through those rabbit holes and piling up. I have like folders and folders within folders. Yes. Within folders. 
<laughs> and I'm still reorganizing. I'm reorganizing how I reorganized it, you know, because you have all of these different new ideas and, and each time you spiral around to look at it from a different vantage point, the same thing, you're, oh, wait, this interrelates with this now. Now I get that in a deeper way than I ever did before. So, you know, you, you, uh, you end up with all of this other wisdom of experience that you've brought back around to the same thing and you can look at it with new eyes and yeah, wow, what I said about this, yeah, it was accurate for me at the time. And, and yeah, you know, it, I, I felt like it was an epiphany then and I feel like it's even more of an epiphany now because I get it on this whole other level. It's amazing. It's like watching a movie and then 20 years later, you watch it again. You go like, yeah. oh my God, that's that. And you're like, oh. <laughs> One of my favorite films is like that. You can watch it over and over again. You see all this stuff happening in the background. It's called Primer and it's about time travel. It's, um, yeah, there are these, you, you need to watch this movie. They made it on a $7,000 budget, like no budget at all. Okay. But it's, it's one of the most in-depth, crazy plots. Um, XKCD did a, a meme about this where like it was showing the plots of different movies And then it shows primer and it's just like, looks like spaghetti. Like you can't even follow like where it, and this is why. So as you're watching it, you're watching the first time you're watching everything happening in the foreground, you're just taking it in. You go back and you watch it again. You can see in the background, everything that was coming on. You can watch like just way far into the background of the, of the shot. You're seeing the things like play out the way that, so that when it comes back around later on, it's there. And you just never saw it. You didn't know to look for it. And it's blurry in the background. Wow. Those are great. Yeah. I love those kind of stuff. And you can like see it and you're like, wow. And then you come yeah. back and things. <laughs> and it was just mind blowing for me to watch it over and over again. I would find all of these things that I didn't see before. It was just amazing. And that's what I like about this. Like I can come back around to it. It's the same kind of feeling like, wow, I, I wasn't thinking of that at the time but this makes so much more sense now. And, and these other concepts fit together too. And they have their own way of interrelating. And it's, you know, how do you, how do you convey that? And how do, you, um, how do you impart that so that other people will start to see it too and build upon it in their own experience so that when they come back around to it, they're blown away again. So Awesome. And now it's getting real with everything, actually. Like all of this stuff coming together. We've been on yes. it for years, you know, decades. So what keeps you up at night? What is that thing that you're like, oh my God? This, this really, um, the way to connect these thoughts together, the way to impart that, um, making sure that the people um, around me who, who want to understand really do understand. And, um, and adding to that conversation and having that conversation with them. Um, that's, that's been, you know, for the most part, that's what's on my mind. Want to dive, dive a little bit on specifics of like little rabbit yeah. holes or something? Yeah. So, you know, even, even the way that I've been approaching um, what I see as far as different world events, my, um, my background is in media theory. My background is in, you know, the study of propaganda. It's, it's in um, film grammar and really understanding the way that these concepts are put together and, and how to change a mood and change even, you know, what the person is saying, what it sounds like based on what's surrounding it and the psychology of that, right? And, and being a trained filmmaker, you know, um, I, I can't help but see what I view in that way. 
So when I look at something, I can see what the intent was behind what the person was trying to convey or, um, or what they took what somebody else said and made it look a certain way when it may have not necessarily been that way. It's just the way that they want to paint it because it's part of what they're trying to say with their agenda, right? So I can see all of that. And there, there are some really great examples that I show people that are really over the top about this. There were some trailers that were built by editors, um, I want to say like 10, 15 years ago. One of the, one of the best ones I saw was, um, you know, you have the, the regular Mary Poppins trailer where it's the <laughs> music and she's like moving through the scene and you see like everything that you see about the movie, right? Well, they took the background music and shifted it to like horror music. And they called it Scary Mary. And you see the same things like moving about like that are magical, but now they look like, you know, people are possessed and things like that because the sound changed in the background and the way the, the clips are put together has been changed. And, and the, um, the different ways that she's emoting, they're focusing on different parts of, of the faces that she's making than others. So you see this whole other story emerge just based on the way that, that they've cut this footage together. And if you, if you watch the two side by side, you can see what people do to craft that in the media. You can see the way that, that, that that's changed to make you think a certain way. That majestic music is put behind sports to make you have that feeling of like, oh, this is hardship and struggle, and 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 you know they're they're coming here to to win a war. Basically, that's what it feels like to people, instead of it just being a game, you know, and just people playing on a field, right? They're bringing that to it. Mm -hmm. So there there are tons of examples of that, but just even like picking that apart and showing people that you know this can be utilized in this way. And if you're honest about it and you're showing this, um, it can be really powerful, but it can also be powerful in the reverse, unfortunately, because people can be manipulated that way. So you really have to understand that, that that's the way the tools are being used so that you can keep yourself from, um, from falling prey to that kind of a thing. So that's just one example. Absolutely, absolutely. We are right now, and uh, this is an information war. This is the, we're probably the greatest that marketing has ever become the, the, the you know, mind control has ever become. And, and it's like, we are facing these challenges to be able to differentiate what is it really happening. And so we have to really tune in and, and be able to discern and, and cause it's like at a whole other level right now. Absolutely. And, and even to be able to look at it and take it apart on that level. Most people don't do that. Most people are so watching by and large, mainstream television, they're still um, subjected to the ways that these things are put together. They didn't study it, so they don't know that that's done on purpose. They don't have the background to see that that's what people are conveying through doing this and, and that they're appealing to your emotions. And, and all of this goes back to originally, um, advertising was done logically. It was just by showing you that X product would produce Y results, and this is why you should want it, okay? And they revolutionized advertising by instead appealing to your identity and who you want to be and how you want to project to the world and creating an emotional tie between yourself and, and that brand 
thinking that it would convey that sort of feel. So that's been utilized, you know, for the past hundred years to connect people with brands that way, like brand loyalty we talk about now and, and you know, the, the importance of branding. That's why it was done. It was to create that kind of feel surrounding it so that people would have that emotional connection and, and they, would, um, they would stick with that and, and want that to be the emotion they were projecting to the world. So how do you see this being weaponized right now? By the media, by the pharma, by the government. How do you see that? Um, I, when you look at the way television in general is put together, the way that um, that even clips on social media are put together, and a lot of that is repurposed from television. They just memeify it. They make it shorter. They, you know, and and take it out of context, mm -hmm. and and create whatever it is around the thing that's the most eye-grabbing and because people want to share the thing that's the most eye-grabbing because it grabbed their eye they want to be first to do that and it provides social credibility for them that they were the first to do that so they're generating this off of it and then other people come back to them for that and it just creates this whole um social currency surrounding these ideas you know but if you go back to to television which is you know a lot of where um the way to craft that came from you know because that's what would keep eyeballs you know we already have you know years and years of data on you know what people like to watch and why and and when they click away and when they don't even when they were using remote control you know well before we had internet we had data on this on, on what would keep people's attention and what makes them look away so all of that data is being utilized in, in a huge way to keep you engaged. And then they take that data and then um, make you feel conflict. They, they create dopamine surrounding this, um, you know, in you, in others, and, and purposefully change the algorithm to put you in a position where you're looking at something where you're going to be conflicted when you look at it. So you're going to engage in conflict with other people. And it's a whole, you know, divide and conquer mechanism that goes into that. So, you know, people need to be really cognizant of what they're taking in and how it makes them feel. You know, if you're starting to feel in certain ways back to energetic balance, if you're starting to feel certain ways when you're, when you're engaging with the media, no matter if it's on television or if it's online, you know, if, if you start to feel in a negative way, take a step back and don't necessarily connect it with the person that you're talking to. It might not be about that. It might not be about, they might just be having a bad day or, you know, um, they might be seeing what you're seeing from the other side. They might be stoked by the algorithm on the other side. So you have to kind of take a step back and, and give it some air, let it breathe, walk away, you know, and, and re regain balance, regain, you know, your, your center and, and become more mindful, be present and understand, you know, like, okay, you know, I'm sitting with this feeling right now. It's not such a great feeling. Where did it come from? You know, I want to go toward what feels good because that's why we're here. That's our, that's our whole, um, our whole compass is our emotions. Like our emotional compass is, is what we use to know where our higher self wants us to go. We want to go toward joy. Joy is your North point. Joy is your true North. You don't want to engage in, in what the rest of this is. That's all just fear-based, but it's put there to derail you from moving toward what your higher self wants. So you have to be able to, um, 
to discern which direction you need to go and what you need to take in based on that. So it's a, the, the strategy is to lower the frequency so people get into conflict. And so when they're in conflict and fear, they can be more manipulable. Yes, and I see it with people who, who are generally, you know, in, in most points of their life, you know, are high frequency. They're even getting sucked into it. They're, they're battling it out with each other, you know. So, so there's a lot that, that goes on with that, you know. And, and even, even when you know, you can still be pulled into it. We're all human. And it's, it's not, you know, um, even when people say that people are awakened, I, I like to still call it awakening. I don't feel like we're ever done. I feel like it's, it's, uh, you know, ongoing ING, not ED, not, not ever done, you know? So we need to keep going and, and keep looking at things and, and keep getting better and better and better every day. We need to keep growing. And, you know, the second we think we know everything there is to know about everything, that's the second we're done for. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what is your vision for humanity's future? I, I would like to see people start to understand the interconnections among the information that's out there so that they can put it together for themselves, not to just see things in a way where they are holding things up and saying, look, here it is. I was right. You were wrong. Will you listen now? It's not about that. Everyone's going to, to tune into things and out of things at their own pace. They're all going to figure that out when they're supposed to. So it's not really about holding it up and saying, are you going to look? Are you going to look now? Is this enough? Is this enough? No, that's, that's slowly boiled frogs. <laughs> we're, we're, not, we're not doing that. Those of us who know, we're not doing that. Yeah. And, and if everybody else wants to do that, that's their prerogative. That's okay. What we need to do is look at each piece of information that we get, see the way it interconnects with the other pieces of information in context, which is what they are killing on purpose. They're killing our sense of context. They're taking everything and making it into a soundbite. It's a clip. It's, it's, not, it's devoid of context, of meaning. Context creates meaning. So when we pull all this information together and we can look at it, we see, how does it impact me? How does it impact my life? How does it impact the people around me, my loved ones? How do I keep myself from falling prey to these things? How much of this is a lie? How much of this is just fear-based? How much of this really deserves my attention? You know, it does it. Do I need to be spreading this? Do I need to be sharing this with others? Does it serve a purpose or does it just make me, you know, feel like I'm, you know, feeding the fear machine? You know, what, what am I getting out of that? Am I, am I getting some sort of dopamine hit by sharing the fear machine? You know, is it stoking me to share it? And how do I break free of that? How do I break free of the energetic connection to that? And then past that point, when you start to look at these things, how do they impact me and, and what can I do about it? Not just sharing, not just talking. What can I do about how that makes me feel? And, and what can I do to shore up my life so that I'm not impacted by whatever this is that's coming down the pike? Then you start to see the direction unfold of, of where we really need to go. And where we need to go is to refocus our energy on what we want to create, on what we want to create not on what other people want to create or want to create with us or want to turn us into or do to us. What we want to create as human beings, that's where we need to be. 
And anytime we start to feel that way, that's where we have to refocus it. How does this impact what, what I want, what I want to see for the world, where I want to go, what I want to do, you know, what does this change? What does this, you know, um, how does this revolutionize the way I look at what my plans are? You know, is, is this a breadcrumb that's put here for me to show me, you know, what I need to avoid or what I need to bring in? Or is this just superfluous information that somebody's trying to put there to knock me off my path? Absolutely. And we go from there, you know, and, and we see, you know, what's happening with that. We see how to create a plan based on that and, and what belongs in it and what doesn't. And from there, um, you know, understanding that if we, if we can't vote, we vote with our feet. If our vote is suppressed, if it's changed, we, we vote by, by, by leaving, by opting out, by saying no to the things that, that are coming down the pike that we don't like. You know, we, we say no, we walk away, we do our own thing. Absolutely. And that's how we get somewhere. That absolutely, just like uh, Mr. Buckminster Fuller, you know, says, you know, you don't yes. fight the establishment to change establishment. You create a new paradigm. That yeah. Makes the old establishment obsolete, right? How are you going to change something that's not yours? It's it doesn't monster. belong to you. It doesn't. It doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to them. They can yeah, do whatever they want with it. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem here. So we're yeah. fighting, we're railing against it, thinking that it belongs to us and, and that this, no, there's an illusion that it belongs to us. It belongs to them. We're not going to change it. Yeah. We need to step out of it and build what we want to see, what we want to create, where we want to go and do that. And once we do that, once we make that mental shift, that's, that's where the power is. That's Absolutely. where we're headed. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So on that, on that uh, train of thought, what are you doing right now to contribute to this vision? Oh, just, you know, everything that I'm putting forward with, with the, with the blog, with the publication, that's, that's to get people to think in that direction. Everything that I've been putting forward on, on my social streams is to get people to, to think along those lines, you know, set down the animosity, set down the fear and look toward what can I create? What can I do? You know, and, and, and see how these pieces fit together, you know, don't ignore them because those are your keys to knowing, you know, what, what other people are trying to do to you, but you don't have to buy into that. You can keep yourself at, a, at an emotional distance from that information, still take it in and still make decisions based on it. You know, now, okay. So I know, that's this person's move. I don't have to buy into that person's move. I can do my own thing, right? So I can go in a different direction. And that's what I want to impart. That's, that's what I want to show people is, is that mode of thought, that train of thought, because it's not highlighted. What's highlighted is this is what everyone wants to do to you. You should be afraid and you should capitulate to that out of fear. That's what they're being shown. And I don't agree with that. Absolutely. And I don't think that that's true. I don't agree with, with blackpilling people. I don't agree with feeding off of their fears to, um, to create more eyeballs on your page. I don't, I don't agree with, with any of that. Like a lot of what comes from both sides on that, the sensationalism and, and just trying to garner people, um, garner their eyeballs into what you're showing, what you're saying, you know, just to, to base it around this fear aspect where, you know, regardless of, of which flavor of Kool-Aid people prefer, they're drinking one or they're drinking the other, you know, I don't, I don't see the world that way. So I try to impart that as much as I can.
So it's kind of like a similar kind of connected question, but what do you think we can do to inspire unity among the different groups of the awakening movement? I think it has to come from them. And honestly, it's just, you know, um, keeping people focused on what they want to create because what everyone's mission is, is going to be different. So what inspires them is going to be different, but in general, what should inspire them and, and what we what we should be trying to convey is keeping the focus on that kind of creativity on that kind of inspiration on, on that um on that passion and that drive to create a world that that we own that that is ours that's not part of this system that we were made to think that we have some hand in but we really don't that does not belong to us and and is trying to suck up our energy and use our energy for something else we need to pull our energy back in and focus our energy on, on what it is that we want to see for the world. And for everyone, it's gonna be different. For, for even, even all the people that you've interviewed before me in this series, each one of them is focusing their energy on something specific that's specific to their path, that, that makes them who they are and they see what they see and that's what they bring to the table. And I think that that's amazing, you know? So, so even with that, um, you know, th that needs to be where, where we're looking because everyone is going to be different. But the, the connective thread is really to keep that energy, that passion, that drive moving forward to know what your mission is, to find what your mission is and, and to feel connected to that and feel connected to source and make it happen. Absolutely, absolutely. What's your favorite quote? Oh, <laughs> that is so many. Um, if you lack the iron in the fizz, I'm gonna I'm gonna screw this up to uh, to direct yourself um, on your mission in in the correct way. Don't be surprised at which inappropriate port you end up at. And I, I am completely paraphrasing that, but it's it's Tom Robbins, and um, many of his quotes. <laughs> I I love his quotes. Um, yeah, and then. Um, also, um, another one that pops up in my mind a lot, you know, um, if you knew that, that each life that you live was just a period of time that you live it, would you slow down or would you speed up? Would you look at it as a costume change or would you, you know, um, lean, lean back into it and, and be afraid, you know, and, and this is another one I'm paraphrasing, but that's Chuck Palahniuk. And, and these things really, really add to, um, to the way that I look at the world. You know, uh, you, you are in control of where you go and what you see and what you do. You're in control of whether you speed up or you slow down. If I lean into the synchronicities around me, things barrel forward. If I get scared of that and I lean back, things slow down. I'm, I'm in control of the pace at all times. So, um, so for me to, um, to guide that and to understand it and to understand what I'm being guided to do, you know, all of that comes into play and, and outside of, of this sphere, um, we don't, time is not the same. So you, you have either all the time in eternity to figure something out, or it's necessary to figure it out in this life. So you better do it now. <laughs> Absolutely. So like, you know, which one is it? You know, to, and this is something you know, like um, in my in my interaction with with my guides as a channel, 
it's something that that comes up a lot for me because I know that guides have no understanding of time. So it's like, do you want me to do this now? Then we need to move these things around. If you don't care and, and I have eternity to do this, then then it doesn't matter, I guess. Right. <laughs> but if there are obstacles balance. and barriers to me getting that thing done, then, you know, okay, we can remove the obstacles and barriers so that I can get it done and I can learn from that and, and move forward. Or, you know, if, if this is an eternity issue, <laughs> we'll deal with it in eternity. It'll maybe, be okay. <laughs> maybe it's both. <laughs> right? Right? So we'll see. We'll see. You know, that reminds me, that reminds me of that. I, I'm probably going to paraphrase it too, but that reminds me of that quote by Bilbo Baggins, you know, every time you step out of the door, there's a whole world out there. If you don't keep your feet, you don't know where you're going to end. <laughs> Another one that I love is, um, and, and just because it was so prescient, it was Marshall McLuhan. It was um, him saying that, uh, that World War III would be a guerrilla information warfare war it would be civilians and military working in parallel and you wouldn't know what was happening and i think that that's a lot of what's going on right now it was so precious it was um 1970 when he said it you saw it coming yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> in a big way <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i and i that's a quote that i think about every day you know i i, I look at the landscape of, of where we are and the way that media is utilized and the way memes are utilized and and all of that, and and I see his words in front of me as as this uh, as this unfolds. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, what do you want to say to uh, to our audience? Uh, how do they? Uh, how can they find you? What do you? How how you inspire them and tell them you know something to take them with? And uh, how can they find you? You know all of this stuff. Sure. Um, well, I have um, my Substack is um, starfirecodes.substack.com. I'm also uh, at starfirecodes on Telegram, on Getter, and on Truth. So you can find me in any of those places. And yeah, my my biggest takeaway would be you know just to remember as you're as you're going through this landscape, remember to come back to center. Remember to pull in your energy, remember that you are in control of your energy and, and to, as you're putting all of this information together, really look at it in terms of what can I build from this? Where can I go? What can I create? And how can I change things? How can I make things better for myself, for my family? Think small, think, think, think insular, and then you can build from there. Once, once you've got, you know, the, sacred temple unit at the center of everything down. You can expand what that temple encompasses and, and go there and, and really have an impact, but it starts with you. So to remember that and to, to like have that as your creative center and not to be derailed by any of this fear-based stuff that comes down the pike, that's really what I would tell people. That's the most important thing, no matter what it is that you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. We see a lot of that stuff. And now we understand, you know, that's a waste of time and energy. It's important for us to know what's going on. But, you know, it's more important to focus on you know, center connection and love, right? Absolutely. Raising that frequency. Yes, definitely. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dimi, uh, for, for joining us. Maybe later on, we can do another one where we talk about more specific subjects or something. But uh, thank you so much. And um, 
we're going to put all of those uh, links on the description on the page and uh, wherever it goes. And uh, thank you. Thank you for joining us for the pioneers of the great awakening. You now know where to find um, Dimi. And uh, also you can follow the podcast on Jorn.tv. That's J-O-U-R-N.tv. And if you're going through the dark night of the soul, you click on the support button. We have a very specific coaching program where we're helping people to get through their dark night of the soul. Thank you Thank so you. much for having me. <laughs> Bye, Divi. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. <laughs>